Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Hello and welcome to episode 40, Seven Stigmas of Taking Medication. And I must say from the onset that I was extremely concerned about talking about this topic because it's a very uh, challenging one and it's one that could be easily misunderstood. So I will give you a disclaimer from the beginning and at the end as well, in case you missed the beginning. Um, There is no medical or psychiatric advice being given here. Any medication questions should be addressed with your psychiatrist, primary care, or other medical professional. However, where I'm coming from is a mental health perspective, and that is that over the years I've worked with clients and I'm familiar with medications. One of the great ways that I could help clients is talk them through some of their fears that they have regarding whether or not to medicate and to help them process. I'm also a reporter when I work with their psychiatrist with their written permission or their primary care doctor to be able to report what I'm seeing as far as the client's symptoms and if they do start medication, how the client is reacting, that's an important place that, that I'm at. And obviously, anyone that's having suicidal thoughts should call 911 immediately, whether they are on medication or not. So where I'm coming from here is that I've been asked this question by many people, which is just how do I look at medication management, whether or not I am a candidate for it or not. And one of the big things that I've noticed is that there are seven main stigmas that come up over and over again. And I think by discussing them, we will help give people some clarity and show people that medication management is a normal, natural, and healthy way that is for many people. And it has its uh, concerns and challenges as well for, for many people. And it's something that one should only make a decision about by talking to professional medical uh, doctors or psychiatric nurse practitioners, especially when your mental health is such an important thing. So let's start with just a couple of facts. The first is that about it's estimated that about one in six Americans are taking some type of psychiatric medication for something. So that number, depending on how you count medications, but it's somewhere in the 78 million uh, people range, perhaps more or less, depending on studies. And the breakdown is very interesting, actually. And that is that there's about a million children from age zero until five that actually take Um, psychiatric medication. Now, some of that, most of it is for ADHD or severe behavioral issues. Um, Further breakdowns are kids from age 6 to 12, which is, again, a very, very high uh, oppositional defiant and uh, ADHD age. There's about 4 million kids that are taking medication. Um, Puberty is a hard time. So age 13 to 17, there's about uh, 3.5 or so uh, million people in the United States that are taking medication. Now, not, it's not to say that some of these kids are not taking for depression or anxiety or bipolar or other reasons as well. We're not going to go into that so much. Um, the peak starts to get higher at 18 to 24, where we have about 5.5 million people taking medication. And where it really starts to get significant is from age 25 through 44, where we have a jump to 21 million people taking medication. And that's because age 24 is a very, very significant age in mental health. It's when, unfortunately, a lot of mental health issues uh, start to come up, uh, especially severe ones. Uh, For many people, bipolar starts at that age. Uh, Not that it wasn't there until now, um, but it becomes more manifest and uh, some very severe psychiatric issues as as well as um, schizophrenia. Uh, 
the average age of onset is, is around the 24 years. Uh, there are other issues like personality issues or um, anxiety or depression issues that also begin to peak as one gets older. And 25 is an age which uh, has a lot of distresses in life. People start growing up and becoming um, real men and real women in the adult world. And so there's a lot more problems. And age 45 to uh, 64, there's about 28 million people taking some type of medication. And 65 years and older is about 17 million or so. And other estimates, and actually many estimates, uh, some of the largest consumers of uh, mental health uh, psychiatric medications start from age about 55 and onward. Uh, There's a very, very high amount of usage then. Look, life is stressful. People have sleep issues. People have anxiety issues. People have regret issues. People have grief issues that sometimes need to be treated medically. If you want just a little bit of an idea, I'll throw out a couple of names of, let's say, the top 10 medications as far as how frequently they're prescribed. And then I'll go by their name, which is not their medical name, but just uh, their name that they're probably most known for. And that is just an order. Uh, the number one medication prescribed and used is Zoloft. After that is Celexa, then Xanax, which is anti-anxiety, Ambien, and Prozac, Deseril, Clonopin. And some of these are very helpful, and some of them are uh, uh, ones that people need to uh, monitor themselves and make sure that they are using them as prescribed and appropriately. Ativan, Lexapro, Cymbalta. Okay, let's go through seven stigmas that will help us get a better framework of how to look at medication management in a healthy way. Okay, so stigma number one is it means I'm crazy if I have to take medication. And I hear this all the time. So what I always tell them is if you have diabetes and you need to take insulin shots or you have cancer and you need to get a treatment for that, does that mean that you're crazy as well? Uh, many people who take anti-anxiety or anti-depression uh, or even anti-psychotic medications, it doesn't mean that they are crazy. Um, people always ask me, Joe, you're a therapist? Great. So let me know. Am I crazy? And the answer I always give them when they ask that question is no, and you just proved it. And they say, what do you mean? I said, if you could ask me that question, that means that you're sane. Crazy people don't think that they're crazy. That's part of the problem. So um, no, you're not crazy. People have different challenges in life, and sometimes the challenges in life need to be treated medically. And sometimes those options are explored with a competent medical professional, and they end up uh, being life-changing drugs. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next few stigmas as well. Stigma number two, it means I can't control myself. And so once again, there is a very thin line that on the one hand, yes, we want clients to learn coping skills um, and to be able to help themselves. But at the same time, there are times when a client is just stuck. I see this very frequently with, with anxiety, that anxiety is very hard to kick when it's very severe, which is about 15% or so of cases where it's extremely severe, or 9% according to other more recent studies. But nonetheless, uh, I've seen many clients, uh, anti-anxiety medications are very quick acting. I've seen many clients who um, are able to start taking that medication through a doctor's prescription and uh, get very, very quick results, especially with anti-anxiety medication. Um, it helps with, their impression, with, with depression as well. Anxiety and depression are first cousins, and they unfortunately travel together in packs. And often when one comes, the other one's there, and it's hard to know which one's causing it. And what's interesting is that a lot of the medications that treat one actually treat both. Um, so, yes, it's important to learn how to control yourself, but there is a time when you could say, you know, this is not working. At the same time, I always like to say, you know, I had a client who came in my office, and she had extremely large anxiety, and it was the type that, you know, I... I definitely told her that she's a candidate to talk to her doctor and see whether medication would be appropriate or not. And she came back to me and she said, um, Joe, I want you to give me two weeks 
let's work together. Let's work on some of these techniques because I don't have any coping skills. I never learned any coping skills. And after that, if I can't get it together, then I'm going to talk to my doctor. So, of course, I'm a therapist. And I said to her, I respect that. I'll work with you. Um, I still think that it's important to talk to your doctor. But, you know, it's not to a point where I'm going to force you to do anything because I respect you. And within two weeks of our working together, her anxiety level was cut down by at least 25%. And there was tremendous results that within two months, uh, her anxiety level was back down to where she felt it was very manageable and normal and natural. And even though in my head I had thought to myself, you know, I assume that this client is going to probably need medication based on talking to their doctor, um, you know, with the doctor's approval, I was surprised that they actually didn't. And that was okay. And I've learned over the years that just because something severe doesn't mean it needs to be treated. Now, there are exceptions. If someone is suicidal or someone is not functioning, um, then they need to talk to their doctor immediately. If someone can't get out of bed in the morning or there's severe impairment in areas of their personal or professional life, then we need to address that in a quicker way. But in this case with this woman, time did prove that she was actually correct in getting her anxiety under control. Nonetheless, in many, many cases of severe anxiety, once clients start taking medication, there is a tremendous benefit that's there. And um, the, the results do happen pretty quickly. Um, and the client, once under control, can start weaning off the medication through a medical professional. Now, you might ask, Joe, what's your bias here? And I'm going to disclose this immediately. And that is that my initial reaction to all clients is let's try to deal with this through coping skills. And I'll talk about that a little bit more at the end, why that is. One of the main reasons is because medication does not solve everything. In fact, there are studies that show that only 26% of all antidepressants actually uh, help clients uh, 26% of the time. Uh, yeah, that means that the other three quarters of the people actually don't get benefit out of it. Um, and that's because without mental health counseling and talk therapy, it's very difficult to uh, treat most mental health issues. Um, at the same time, I've seen clients who are night and day and who have gotten their life back through medication. So my gut reaction is let's try to uh, explore ways to help you without medication. If the client wants to explore it, of course, I always tell them to talk to their doctor. Um, if it's a mild or even moderate sometimes case, then uh, we'll you know, often both choose together to work on it uh, with coping skills. If that doesn't work or if it's a severe case coming in or there's severe impairment or suicidality or homicidality or other things, then we will explore the medication option uh, more promptly. So those are. it does not mean that you can't control yourself. It just means that we all need extra help and support sometimes. Number three, depression and anxiety are all in the mind. So this is where it gets complicated because there is some truth to that and it's totally false. Meaning that, yes, depression and anxiety is exacerbated by our thinking and our behaviors and our patterns and our habits sometimes feed it. However, they, they are biological things. A person has bipolar, schizophrenia, or personality disorder, or behavioral uh, disorder. These are clinically, or ADHD, these are clinically uh, measurable uh, situations. And it would be unfair for us to blame ourselves and say that it's all in our mind. Number four, it gives me side effects. This is a big one. Many medications do, in fact, have side effects. Uh, some side effects that we need to be careful of and actually report to a doctor if you're taking any medication, vitamin or supplement, is nausea, vomiting, weight gain or weight loss, diarrhea, sleeplessness, intimacy issues. These are all things that should definitely be talked to. A, uh, we should talk to the doctor immediately if we're experiencing them. Suicidal negative thoughts uh, at the top of the list of very important things to be addressed uh, if a client is experiencing them. Um, 
many times uh, any symptoms, if you read the labels of the medication, they're going to warn of them, warn of them, but many clients uh, will not necessarily experience any of these side effects. Just like if you read the label of your Tylenol or Advil, it might, uh, you know, alarm you about some of the side effects that are reported, but most of them are not experienced. There are many layman uh, websites that try to track certain symptoms. I think we should be careful what we read. Um, remember, the biggest side effect that we want is that the medicine actually uh, helps us feel better. Uh, the negative side effects are things that we need to deal with and, and, and work with and uh, often can. Number five stigma is it will change me. A lot of people report they feel different. Um, anti-anxiety medication is interesting. A lot of people report that they still feel anxious, but they feel that they're more able to deal with it and it's more under control and a little bit uh, less emotional for them, which is interesting. Depression, sometimes people, people antidepressants, people uh, feel that their brain is changing. I think there's a lot of stigmas about chemical imbalances, which the drug companies uh, want us to believe. Um, Dr. David Burns writes about this. He's a psychiatrist who wrote Feeling Good. And I've talked about his work before. He writes about how they, the pharmaceutical companies want you to believe that there's some chemical imbalance that's wrong with you and that therefore you need their chemical to make you feel better. So it will change me. Um, there certainly are some side effects that we want to be careful of, and you should always talk to the doctor about them. You can talk to the doctor about um, you know any concerns you have about it changing your mind, and the doctor will be happy to share with you research about that. Yes, there are some medications that, that do that do have some dangerous uh, mind-altering properties, but the doctor is required to disclose that to you. Um, so always always advocate for yourself and ask that question. Um, the part about it changing you, you know, anytime we take any medication, it sometimes affects how we feel. And what I, what I think with clients is that you know, a lot of clients want to make decisions very quickly or be in touch with, with their own feelings about should I be on the medication, should I not? These are things that they should discuss with their therapist. And of course, the final approval should be given or uh, rejected by the psychiatrist or doctor. And by the way, the reason I keep saying psychiatrist is because in my opinion, if you have anything more than just a mild depression or anxiety, you should seek out a psychiatrist who is an expert in your field of, of uh, medical need. And truth is, if you ask my opinion, uh, even for mild, I think that it's always worthwhile to go to an experienced psychiatrist because, first of all, there's a lot of vitamins, supplements, and other things that might uh, be reacting to your medication. And the psychiatrists are a lot more adept at these things, and they're more experienced in working with it. Uh, find someone that specializes in your issues and in your age group. Number six stigma is it will be forever. Once I'm on the medication, I'm on it forever. And this is just not true. You could talk to your doctor about are there addictive properties. A lot of uh, sleep medications have some addictive properties to them, so we need to be careful about what we're taking. Yes, we need to be uh, a educated client is the best client when it comes to medication management. Um, many medications have short uh, durations, maybe three to six months or six months to a year. A lot of people get concerned about, you know, am I going to have to be on this forever? And talk to the doctor about this because you'd be surprised what the answer is. Uh, doctors that are uh, worth their weight uh, in what they do <clears throat> are advocates for clients' well-being, and they want you to feel better and not be stuck taking medication the rest of your life. Um, and I can understand that fear, and it's reasonable, but it's often not the case at all. And many of my clients, as they learn coping skills like I've talked about, are actually able to uh, wean off the medication or get the medication dose lower and be able to stay focused on living a happy and healthy and productive life. And number seven, I'm afraid it'll stop working. Um, well, you know, there's a fear like that with any medication that a person takes. And again, the reason, another motivation why we need to learn coping skills to be able to change our patterns. So much of our life can be 
improved upon based on coping skills um, and talk to the doctor about it. There are studies about many, many of the medications that are very popular and very, very prevalent that show that uh, they, they, they last for a very long time and they work for a very long time. Um, to conclude, and again, this is my disclaimer, please do not imply any medical uh, endorsements or discouragements here. Any medical issues should go straight to your doctor, primary care, or preferably psychiatrist if it's a mental health issue. These are things that are very, very sensitive. If a person is feeling depressed, suicidal, severely uh, down, and in the dumps, you need to seek medical attention immediately. If you're suicidal, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. It's not something to fool around with. Your life is valuable and worth living, and you know that you have a responsibility. You're listening to this podcast. That means that you care about your life and you're trying to improve your life. Let's get on your feet and let us try to take care of ourselves. Once again, what I'm coming from is a mental health perspective, just what I'm seeing behind the scenes when people have spoken to their doctor and gotten prescriptions or are thinking about speaking to their doctor. These are some of the seven stigmas that I find most prevalent, and I hope that I've addressed them in a productive way for you to be able to make your own decision. But please, don't refrain Worst case scenario, you go to your doctor and you'll discuss your concerns with this person, but at least you'll have a medical opinion so that you can now work from that baseline if you feel that you might be a candidate for medication management. Very much appreciate you listening. And as always, uh, I do coaching and I work with clients to help them improve their life. If you think that I could be helpful to you, I offer a free introductory class. Uh, it's, it is a limited time offer, but as long as it's on the website, it's available. And uh, you are welcome to get in touch with me there at mindyourmindonline.com. And we could talk about how we could work together and how we could start reaching some of your therapeutic goals and some of your life goals. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind. For more practical ideas and to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.